we still got a lot of NFL chatter we need to talk about, bro. Yes, Did sir. you hear about what was going on down in Duval County? Well, it wasn't in Duval County, but with the coach in Duval County, Mr. Irvin Meyer. Shardy freak a little something? <laughs> <laughs> now, first of all, I got to admit, the fact that he is going on this apology tour for getting his kneecap grinded on <laughs> is... I find to be a bit hilarious because I mean, like literally the dude, it was not that violent uh, or whatever, or promiscuous of this lap dance that everybody's making out to be. He dude is literally sitting on a bar stool and some random chick is like grinding on his kneecap. Like, I mean, I, I get this, how it looks. I mean, it kind of looks like if you were to go out to dinner with a porn star actress or whatever, but I mean, <laughs> But I'm like, yo, why is he out here having to, like, go and be, you know, I'm sorry this, I'm sorry that, like. Well, well, well here, here's. I, I don't know. So so when we talk about, uh, we make this statement that context matters, context really does matter. So, you know, the optics don't all look bad if it was, you know, just a random, you know, random day. Let's say it was the bye week. Let's say it's on the off season, but the reason why the context matters, especially in this case, was it was after a loss. He stayed behind in Ohio and didn't fly back with the team. And so it just it, it just says, OK, you you know, look, at the end of the day, how you handle defeat or you handle victory. I don't think we're talking much at all if they beat the dog breaks off their opponent and he said, and it was already worked out with the owner and said, Hey, look, um, if we win, is it okay if I stay back? And he would have easily, you know, you know, it would have easily been seen as, Hey, look, you know, for your first win, you know, absolutely, you know, chill back, fall back in the cut, whatever. It's, it just, it looks completely bad because you're sending such mixed signals to your team that you're supposed to be the leader of the team and saying, Hey, look, you know what? We're going to stick together as a team. So he should have flown back. He should have already know the protocol for this, but it kind of goes back to what we talked about. Even when it was, when it was announced that, you know, Jacksonville was interviewing him and you and I both said this is that I don't know about that one. Because he has a very kind of checkered history in terms of credibility, character credibility, not coaching credibility. Now, I'll give him that. But I think the NFL and sports in general, they're all on the spotlight in this day and age where it's just like, hey, look, anything you do or don't do or you say or don't say is going to be taken possibly out of, uh, out of context or it's going to be criticized. And you're the head coach. And meanwhile, the flip side of that is that guys like, you know, and I, I'm going to keep bringing his name up because a dozen players that don't look like him or a dozen uh, uh, potential head coaches who eventually go on to be head coaches, they get all the opportunities in the world. But our man, our offensive coordinator from Kansas City is like, yo, y'all keep using the excuse of something I may have done 20, 30 years ago against me. But these other guys can continue and, and, and freak a little something and, and shorty swing my way and all the above. And they get opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. 
Just yeah, I, I I think for me, I was I'm more of a why is anybody surprised? <laughs> you know, I mean, to your point, if you followed his coaching careers, you know, what have you, you know, in his program, if you produce, you get a different set of rules than the rest of the players that don't produce. And if as a coach you produce, you get to get away with some things that maybe other coaches on staff don't get to do. And so you ought to know when it comes to him and now he's in the NFL, he's kind of the guy on that team. He going to have a different set of rules, you know, and and I get it. Yes, they lost the game, but everybody knows he's from Ohio. Right. So it's easy to see why you say, OK, after the loss or win, we're going to stay back and catch up with our family instead of flying immediately back with the team. And we'll be back the next morning. So it was, it's not lost. I mean, that, that, that could have been a possibility. I get the optics and everything, but at the end of the day, all these dudes are grown, man. It doesn't look bad on players because you're going to fly back late Sunday and they have Monday off, you know, to get treatment and training. So you're not really even seeing a coach until Tuesday. And so, like, I, I, can, I can totally get why, as far as the NFL schedule goes week to week, why that could have been – you know, a non-event, but then, you know, you also, I get, it It does look bad to take all up on his kneecap. I mean, it looks a little bad. There's kneecaps in the world that ain't got that much attention in like 20 years. You know what I'm saying? And so it, it does look bad, but also at the same time, like, okay, you know, he had been drinking, which, okay, whatever. He, you could tell he was trying to not be, bad like too bad you know what i'm saying like he literally got his arms crawled like he looked as locked up as you can trying to you know halfway avoid it the only way he could have got out of that and save face i guess is to take off running like forrest gump i don't know bro so i like i see it but i'm not surprised by it and to your point does when does it it's like the nfl picks and chooses when character matters yeah that's a good point. That's a good point. I, I got to ask you because I have it. I, for, for me, it was just kind of like, I, I don't know. Like it, it's, I could have disdain for a, a, a person, but not, not persecute them based on a picture. Now I've only seen the picture. Have you seen, have you seen the video? I did. Okay. So for me, from my perspective, what Mike said, I did. <laughs> from my perspective and only seeing the picture was that, yeah, to your point, he was kind of like just leaning back. And for those of us who have partaken in um, adult clubs and, you know, you may be like you may be kicking it with your boys or whatever, like we're talking sports. And at this adult club, there's anybody um, of the opposite sex could walk up to you and just be like, you want some of this, shouty? I'm like, no. <laughs> no. I'm like, I didn't know. Like, So you can't stop that. That's what the picture says to me, because it wasn't like he was like really engaged. It was almost like he was. I almost felt like, you know, looking at the picture, I kind of felt sorry for him. But, but you know, Shorty was like around there looking like she was having a good time. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's funny you say that because I, I actually felt when I watched it the first time, I actually felt a little sorry for him, too, because he did. He, You could tell he looked uncomfortable. He didn't look like he was just straight up enjoying it or having a great time or whatever. Um, 
And what people don't realize in the video, he has his arms crossed and his hands almost like they're covering his his private area just to protect almost as if if the lady slipped off his kneecap and went back. (laughs) He already got his hands there like, yo, nope, you know, none of that's going on. And so you kind of see, you know, he's he, it, it looks uncomfortable, dude. I mean, she was having a good time on that kneecap, but the fact that he got to keep going around and poly- and each apology sounds weaker than the last, right? Like it, it's one, it's one of those. I, I mean, I get the optics of it, but they they need to just kind of have let that have its twenty four hours on the news and just don't even say nothing. Yeah. It, it, you know, and I agree with you, man. It, it's just like, oh, my gosh, like not to go off on the deep end, but like, it, you know, I, I feel like the NFL and like companies in general, just just point point blank, period. Uh, they they want to make everything so wholesome, appear so wholesome. And you're talking about the NFL is a violent sport. And there's other things we, we act like these things happening are just brand new news like it like, like these things ha- never happened right. before you know they're bringing and, and the know, media the media sensationalized oh it yeah too, bro. like i, I mean because before i watched the video I, like i saw two articles one was like urban meyer caught dirty dancing <laughs> and urban my you know it was like urban meyer gets a lap dance i'm like dang what the heck was urban up there doing wait, wait, and then you watch the video and it's literally him sitting on a bar stool and this chick is like just you know, grinding on his kneecap. I'm like, that's not no lap dance or no, and he's not dirty there. Like, it's not even, I'm thinking Patrick Swayze dirty dancing or something. Like, he's throwing the chick up in the air, and literally he's sitting up on the bar stool, like covering his junk. Doing a button in like, the river dance. <laughs> saying, I'm like, where are these media people? Really, the media maybe has not gone into them adult clubs because. I was like, hey, that is not really dirty dancing and it's not no lap dance. Like a lap dance, you gotta be in a lap. I'm assuming that's how the definition, I would assume that's the definition. That was a kneecap dance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Hey, you know what? And I will say, like, I I think it's um I think it's so unfair. Um, and, and you know, it just unfortunately comes with the territory. Now they're making a story about like his wife like showing a picture of his wife you know washing the kids up and all that stuff and it's <laughs> yeah. like man the media can be so brutal dude yeah, like you yeah, know i don't know where that picture came from they probably grabbed it off like social media and then posted and ran off with a story and and, and all that stuff and i heard this i don't know how true it is or not but that's like urban owns that club or a restaurant or so, I think it was a restaurant. So my, my understanding is that they, him and his family met with their extended family for a dinner next door somewhere or somewhere really close. And after that dinner was over, a few of them went over to the restaurant or bar and grill, whatever that he owned. Yeah. And so while they're there, they're sitting at the bar or whatever, all chopping it up. And this lady, I don't know if she was part of a different group or whatever, but came over, tried to get a picture and then, was, you know, danced on his little kneecap or whatever. And whatnot. <laughs> right. And here's the other thing. It kind of feels it kind of feels like he got baited in a sense because. She, she on her social media post, she took a picture like she he posed with a picture for her. And then she was like, she took a picture and then put like a caption of like, who is this guy that keeps flirting with me at the bar? Right. 
Yeah, and then, you know, then the video comes of her grinding on his kneecap. Now, first of all, everybody, I, I know plenty of chicks that don't even watch football, college football, pro football, and they even know who Urban Meyer is or recognize him. You know what I'm saying? So she knew who he was. And that's at the restaurant that he owns. So I'm sure his picture got to be somewhere in the restaurant, right? Yeah. So it feels, you know, it feels like a base bait, like, oh, I had no idea who this random guy was grinding on his kneecap. And, and now you post on social media. I don't know if her following is blown up or whatever, but it just, it feels like this ain't all on the up and up. Yeah. It was reported too. Again, I like you always have to put, you know, in most cases, allegedly that her mom, you know, is concerned for her safety. And, and you know, it's I don't man. Jeez, man. Like all I yeah. all I say, look, guys, this this is football. It, it's, 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 it's funny for the things that actually matter, uh, you know, the equality and everything else, um, you know, yeah. that really matters in the world. Oh, it's is set up and dribble that ball and catch that ball and all that stuff for things that matter. But when it's, you know, is this, is this type of stuff is just where it's just like, look what that man does or doesn't do outside of his, his uh, uh, obligations. I could give a shit less about, but I yeah. am going to bring it back up though. When we're talking about, Hey, you know, this, if he ain't doing Jack in the NFL, then I come back to the conclusion. I will always say this statement. Give everybody the opportunity to succeed or fail. Equal opportunity. That's all I'm saying. So, yeah. you know, hey, I'm not a fan necessarily of Urban Meyer. And I will still say this. And, Mike, you raised a good point about Urban Meyer and Florida State comment that I made. Is that, you know, I'm not saying it's a match made in heaven. But if you want to win quickly, Florida State, that's your man. But if you want to have some, uh, uh, you know, some uh, a smear campaign as well, now that's also may come with the territory as well. Right. I mean, if you think about it, too, Florida State had just more recently tamed its image down, you know, because you got to think everybody either, either really loved them or hate them during the Winston years and the Jimbo Fisher years. Right. And so. There was so much media, you know, negativity about crab legs and sexual assaults and all those different things. Like it was, everything coming out of Florida State was negative at the time to whereas now the only negative thing that you talk about really had been the play on the field, which surprisingly we're, we won two games in a row and they went on the road and beat a what was supposed to be a, a decent North Carolina Tar Heel team. Um in the rain, and I and I must say, Jamal, like they pretty much controlled the game from the second quarter on. I was I was impressed at how they responded to adversity, and and even when you know the offensive line had some injuries, they ran the ball right at North Carolina and picked them picked them apart. You could see them wear them down over the game. Yeah, yeah, I was I was impressed too. I I was surprised. Um, you know, it, it's. Where where I kind of go uh, get a little impatient with Florida State these uh, last few years is that you know these last several years I should say um, is that right when they showed that like the team they could be they show you something uh, like just yeah. completely a hundred and eighty uh, uh, direction opposite where it's just like yeah. 
Come on, yeah. y'all, like y'all are better than this. But they did look yeah. good. I got to give them that credit. They did look good. Yeah, hey, there's two back to back wins. And, and I will say, as a fan, what you hope to see throughout the season is continued um, improvement, right? And so they started off great with Notre Dame, and then they went in the tank. And they start having all these penalties, all these miscues, all these self inflicted stuff. And, and then you start watching, like, I think it might have been a Wake Forest game they lost, but they didn't have any um, or have very few offensive self inflicted penalties. And then the next game, they, the overall team had fewer penalties. And then yesterday's game, it seemed a lot cleaner. You know, they had a few penalties, but the game was a lot cleaner and they didn't have as many huge mental mistakes. So you're starting to see that maybe these guys can coach because the team is improving week to week. Um, and, and to your point earlier, even with fantasy football, injuries play a huge, a huge role in this. Um, Cause a lot of teams go four or five wide receivers. You got to have some good DBs. You got to have, you know, some, some depth at linebacker and defensive line. Um, and, and that's been put to the test. So it, it's been interesting to see them step up, but, all in all, I got to say, I don't know what kind of gauge I have on this team yet, just because I don't know that anybody they played has been that stellar. Yeah. Right. And so I don't like you just don't know what the barometer is, because we all know if they went up against Alabama, it would be ugly. But how far are they from like Clemson now? Yeah. Right. I, I just don't know. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I, You know what? Sports family, consider me old school. Here's what I'm gonna like. I I really, I, I really believe this, and you you know, in, in sports, it's just like in, in business, man. Like it's a copycat world. You 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 know, like how long has college football teams all like it was one point where like there it was almost taboo to run a spread offense. There was like one team running a spread offense. And then all of a sudden, this last 10 plus years, everybody runs a spread offense. The reason why I'm saying that is like, if I'm Florida State and and or any team for that matter, like I'm going with like a Jim Harbaugh type of offense. And and on defense, I'm going with I'm I'm recruiting the top defensive guys. I'm building a defensive-minded team and I'm running an I formation offense. And here's why. Like the spread offense, like every to me, what you're doing is you're taking your talent, you're spreading the defense out, and you're saying, "Hey, look, get I'm gonna get the ball out quickly to my my best players." And typically, these are these kind of you know first read offenses. Whereas, like to me, I I I, I really question whether a lot of these so-called great teams can handle you know, an I formation type of offense where you're running the ball. I have a traditional fullback. Bobby Bowden used to run that type of offense where you had, it was tradition. And of course we're talking about the early nineties where you had a fullback, you had a tight end, you go with two tight end formations and a single, uh, a single back or split back, like all these damn, all these damn kind of, grit gritty football plays where it's like we're going to control the clock and our defense is going to beat you but like I, I i'm just like if you don't have that quarterback that a can make the throws the back shoulder fades the outs the you know the uh the all like 
like to to me, I don't see enough of the tight end, the tight ends in the in college football being used. It's the wide receivers. You know, we're gonna go to a five wide receiver set, and then it's just like, oh man, I'm so tired of seeing it. Every team, every college run the same type of offense, and some make it look great, and some make it look like a damn nightmare. I mean, you make a really good point. And I, the, the interesting thing in the chess match yesterday with uh, Florida State and North Carolina was it appeared North Carolina wanted to be in their nickel package. But to your point, Florida State went with two tight ends in the second quarter and just kept running the ball and doing play action off of that. And and they were getting good yardage on running the ball. So they were forced and they, they were going to keep doing it until North Carolina got out of the nickel. And once they got out of the nickel, then you start seeing things in the passing game start to open up. Um, so, you know, I thought it was very interesting to your point. Florida State kind of went old school football, brought in two, two tight ends or an H-back or whatever, and just started kind of running right at them and saying, we're going to shorten the game. We're going to keep your offense off the field, and we're going to shorten the game and wear you out. And, you, and when, the, when the opportunity presents itself, we'll hit you deep. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Well, I tell so, you what, man, here, here, you know, good luck to Florida state the rest of the way. And um, I will, Mike, before we move on, I, I got to ask you this. And I, and I think it's all contingent upon um, how they finish as a team, but let's say, let's say um, they go 500 um, the, the rest of the way, um, finish the season 500. Do you retain um, Norville? I think if they go 500, I think you still have to retain Norvell. But I think as an administration, you might start putting pressure on him to replace his defensive coordinator. I think we've seen um, consistent improvement on the offensive side, especially given the limitations of the offensive line, given that Jordan Travis has been injured and you kind of been back and forth between him and Mackenzie Milton. And your receivers are are really young. You've got some promise there, but you know you got some receivers that are really young. That freshman receiver that caught a touchdown yesterday, like I like he has the build to be kind of those old school first round picks that we used to get. So I, you can see that this guy can build an offense, but defense, like it's just sometimes it's it, sometimes the the scheme or the calls just really baffle me. And, you know, we talked about it last week's show, you know, third down and set, you know, third down and four, we're giving an eight yard cushion or seven yard cushion, um, stuff like that. So it just, it feels like maybe that's the change you make to appease the, the administration and the fan base. And that buys you an additional year, maybe two. Um, but that's only if they finish, you know, at, at that rate, if they finish, Lower than that, then you're kind of looking at defensive coordinator, maybe even linebacker coach got to go because the linebackers haven't been as good as they could. But um, now if they just wet the bed and, and lose, you know, kind of four, four or five more games, I think you, you, you have to consider, do you make a change completely? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree with all that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know what? We – we got to talk about this because, you know, it's out there now. It's um, It's been spiraling. I don't know where you're spiraling yet. I, so I, I, I kind of hesitate to say out of control, but we got to talk about this. So recently this week, 
it's been an email that that leaked about your boy Gruden, John Gruden, the ex Buccaneers head coach who took them to the promised land and won a Super Bowl many moons ago. But it was that email that leaked that had some uh, racial connotations against uh, Demoris um, Smith and. Again, we got you know. I, I don't. I, I don't think this is something where it was inadvertently happened. I think it was leaked. Just uh, just Absolutely. ten years later, this email came from 2011, and it didn't leak then, but it leaked now. I, I question this now. Gruden has gone on record saying that he doesn't remember saying that. But he apologized for it. And what he said essentially was uh, Demora Smith had lips the size of Michelin tires. And I was like, when I heard it, I was like, wow, John Gruden. Like, I could picture him saying it and not, not that it's funny at all. I, where I'm kind of like, and you, you and I kind of talked about this um, offline, but you know, why did it leak now? Why wasn't it a problem then? So I'm going to yeah. throw you that lob, mic for you to talk about this, your feelings on it. Well, first, first I, yes, it, it feels like somebody is a tough guy now that wasn't a tough guy 10 years ago. But on the flip side, it's just kind of dawned on me, but maybe there was enablers in positions back then to protect that that aren't there anymore and somebody that wanted to say something now can't so whatever um what's what's interesting to me is john gruden's been a coach for many years he's been in the locker rooms for many years and we know that um we we know that most football teams are predominantly african-american right John, what John Gruden said is something you would typically hear in kind of when people, when cats are jonesing on each other, right? When you're making jokes in the locker room or whatever, you're jonesing on each other. That's that's how that, because that's why you laugh, right? Because you can hear like somebody jonesing and saying that. Why you would put that in an email at work is beyond me. That's That to me right there is when it went past jonesing or went past, like, you know what I mean? Like you can make a joke, but if you want to make that joke, John, you need to pick up the phone and call that person. Like, yo, you know, this is it. And I'm not saying it's right, but for him to put that in email tells you a little bit about the culture. Like there is no, like, you're not afraid of rep- repercussions or you're not worried, like worried about the politically correct police and all that stuff. Like you, you just, you're just speaking freely. Do I think John Gruden is racist? I don't know the guy. I, I I can't say yay or nay. I, I mean, I don't feel like I've seen much of that. Um, but I can definitely say if if I've been around African-Americans a, a ton in the locker room and I've heard them jonesing on each other, like literally the way he said that was literally how we would all crack on each other. Yeah. And so I like I'm trying not to go there, but I, in the context of work, you don't do that. You don't do that on the job. It's tough. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I mean, it's um, I heard this actually earlier this morning um, that uh, and I, again, I, I can't substantiate this. I don't know you know, if it's true or not, but allegedly, you know, they, they said John Gruden oftentimes refer uh, to a lot of people as having rubber lips. And, you know, 
I, I don't know what that that phrase actually means, but um, that it was not intended to be, um, you know, a, a racial connotation. <laughs> Excuse me. And, you know, and it was, you, you know, I, I I don't know, like it is to, to me, like it should come down to. Hey, dude, when you're you, and we all do it where you might be typing angry and not not necessarily in an email, but it may be a text. Somebody pissed you off and you're going to say something and you may say like you and I may say things as a as a month. Friends are uh, two friends that, you know, we trust that we you know, it's not that we're, you know, trying to hurt anybody's feelings. It's just us talking and it stays between us. It's like you have to understand the context in which you're you're sending something. This is your employer. You're talking. You're I don't know who you sent the email to, but you got to think like, come on, dude. Like, come on. I, I think it's just yeah. a culture like where it's so different 10 years ago versus now. We're in this cancel culture and it's just like everything. Why'd you look at him like that? Or why, like, why you say this? I think it's a. Uh, I think he he does owe uh, Demarius um, Demore, excuse me, uh, an apology. I think it's you know just out of you know out of bad taste. What does his physical features, and that's how it comes across. What does his physical features have to do with anything? Right. And you know, truth be told, if if having big lips is a problem or an issue for some people, then I have to ask the question: Why do so many women go and get lip injections? And my thing is, why why do we want him to apologize? Right? Like, if it was supposed to be between him and his boy or him and his friend, are we only want him to apologize because now we all found out? That's a good point. Right? Like, like I, I, don't, I don't understand, like, because I can tell you Mr. Smith is not going to feel any different just because John, John Gruden apologized. It's not going to make him feel any better. And, and you know, and John is apologizing for something he said over 10 years ago that he may not even really feel like he should apologize for. Like, he's doing it because now it's all this backlash, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I feel I feel like the apology part of it, is it, to me, is stupid. Like, this man said what he felt. He was jonesing on somebody. Like, if I'm jonesing on somebody, whether they hear it or not, <laughs> I'm not going to go apologize just because now they found out about it. Like, if, if you're a man, stand behind your little joke and, and be done with it, you know? You can say, hey, it wasn't meant to be racist, but I was making a joke. And I'm sure he's heard that joke before. You know, like, whatever. But it, it, the whole apology thing just feels like it feels... It feels like it's forcing John to be some like fake. It feels like you're forcing an apology to somebody who's not going to believe the apology is genuine. Like it just, it, like let's just all be grown men about it and move on. Is how I look at it. You know what? It, it's um, you know, John's like you know, it, it, you're right. I I agree with you on that. Um, you know, John, I feel like John grew like man. Forget what forget what you're saying. I said what I said. You know, like it's just like you know, like to to me, it's just like also too where you know this whole this whole um kind of image that the media built with John Gruden. Now he never said that he didn't like it or whatever, but like this whole Chucky thing. I mean, to me as a grown man, if somebody referring to me as some horror figure doll 
I'll be like, man, no, don't do that, bro. I'm a grown ass man. Like, I don't want to be referred to as some redhead Chucky doll with these big eyes and pale skin and, uh, you know, but that was a persona that was kind of built up through the media and fans and everything else. Mm -hmm. Took it and roll with it. Now, the reason why I'm bringing that up is that, you know, I I, I think oftentimes, like, you know, we we assume people uh, like they go with or they like being compared to like this alter ego thing and stuff like that. We don't know. Like what if John Gruden feels like, man, like, dude, I never liked that. I never liked it. And right. I always felt it was offensive and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, to me, it's just like, like the sensitivity in this world is just like, man, if somebody, I felt like if somebody is talking shit to me, like about me, I also oh, be it. I got a rule. If I can reach out and touch you, you in my face, you, you, you too close. And then that's when we have problems. But what you're saying about me, man, whatever. I I, I just, I, you know, to me, when I found out, I, I, I laugh in a sense where it's like, damn, I laugh for two reasons. Hey, why is this coming out 10 years later? Like, what's the point of it? And then B, it was like, it was, if, if, and I'll say this, if, like you said, like, if we're, man, if we're jonesing, uh, between each other and then two black guys doing that and we said what what uh john gruden said it would be a non-issue around that oh man they just round that man they 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 doing the dozens on each other oh he went there then no no problem but to send a formal email stating that it's like <laughs> come on john damn john right. help me help you from John Gruden at NFL. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you got some Michelin ass lips. <laughs> uh, Come on, John. Yeah, that was uh yeah. I wow. I don't know where to take it. I I don't think now I will absolutely say I will not ever say uh, okay he should lose his job for something like no, no. I mean, come on. I think that's a bit much. Think I might have lost you there, buddy. You froze, man. I might have to use that as a uh, a thumbnail right there. Yeah, let me take it. Let me let me get a. Ah, oh, gotcha. I think I lost you, Pete. Let's go try that again. There we go. There we go, man. I lost you, hey man. I got a good. Uh, I got a good thumbnail. <laughs> I got a good yeah, thumbnail for you, man. Oh man, we're gonna put that one on this. Why, bitch? Why? <laughs> yo, yo, Mike, I gotta bring this up. I just gotta throw it out there real quick. This is all for all, all Niner Nation, all 49er fans. Um, I, I'm just gonna put this out there. And it's it, it's it's a question, is also how I feel at this point. George Kittle. So George Kittle has just been placed mm. on IR. Um you know, of course, the 49ers signed him to a big deal, um, you know, uh, a short is. while ago. I think almost a year and a half ago. Um, yeah. And, you know, the highest paid tight end in the league. Um, you know, a lot of people at that time said, George, including myself, um, that George Kittle was the best tight end in the league. And, of course, the other side, probably mostly uh, uh, Chiefs fans would say, nah, that's Kelsey. Kelsey is the best. Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the league. Um, here's where I'm at with this. 
George Kittle to be the the highest paid tight end in the league and who's not averaging playing 16 games. I think I, I I'm guessing about the average here is about like an average of eight, eight or nine games a season. Um, and to be used primarily as a blocking tight end when he can do all we know what George Kittle can do. He's a beast. But you get paid to play football games and and stay healthy and not to wrestle. This is not a wrestling ring here. Um, I would at this point, I honestly would trade George Kittle. If you can get two first round draft picks from him out of him. Um, and I know there's teams that are willing to pay for him. you may not. It may not be a first uh, two first. Maybe if it's a first and a second, I would take it. Because right now, if you're not getting a full season out of him for the last few years, I, I think it behooves uh, the 49ers to trade him. Because if you're using him as a blocking tight end, draft a tight end in the sixth or fifth round. George <laughs> Kittle was drafted in the fifth round. And he grew to be the George Kittle. I'm not wasting that. And I, I'm taking the approach of like, like the Patriots take. When a player is at their prime, you trade them for the most. Trade him for, for two firsts if you can get it, or a first and a second. And therefore, you can make up those draft picks that you missed um, you, you know, in trading for uh, Trey Lance. So we don't have a first this coming draft, and we don't have a first in the year after uh, draft. So what do you say? I mean, I think it's – I think. I'm going to probably speak out of both sides of my mouth. I do think it might be time to cut ties with George Kittle. Um, I think the problem is, is you're not going to get as much for him now as you would have a year ago or a year and a half ago. I think the problem now is everybody is going to put this tag on him as he's, you know, always injured um, or can't finish the whole season or whatnot. And so until he proves that, he can make it to a whole season or play at least 12, 13 games in a season and, and, you know, and be healthy and maybe even make it into the playoffs. Like and show you that, okay, he can be that consistent. We all know he can dominate, but it, it doesn't do any good to dominate for three games a season. And then nobody hears from you. So I think they should have moved on from him. Um, but, you know, a, a tight end like him in this league, you almost have to break the bank for because I mean, when he blew up, it was like, okay, this could really change the whole franchise, so to speak, but he keeps getting hurt. I, I don't know, bro. It's going to be hard. I, I think you won't get that command for, him. I think you can get certainly two seconds or maybe a first and a second, but that, that to me, that's the ceiling for, for him. Cause I think, you know, every year there's decent, decent tight ends seem to come out of like Iowa every year that you could, <laughs> you could, you know, get a late draft pick and, and grow them with. So, yeah, I don't know that teams are going to be willing to pay that much for what seems to be a sure thing. That's always hurt. Yeah. And, and you know what, here's what I'll say too. And it's just like, not, not shitting on Kittle at all. Kittle is a beast and I'm not, I, I'm not walking back what I'm saying at all. So I want to just kind of put it in a, a deeper context is that, um, and kind of help people understand where I'm coming from. I actually heard this guy say this uh, two two years ago. It was matter of fact the off season in which uh, George Kittle got paid, 
this guy was saying out and I was I was a little furious uh, uh, that this guy said this. I mean, what, what the hell is wrong with you? He 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 said that the Niners should not pay him this type of money. George Kittle, that this type of money he ultimately ended up getting is because he can't stay healthy. And he was like the way that he plays with this rec- reckless abandon is just like you can't sustain uh, an NFL season like that and to get paid this type of money. And and I don't care about a guy being a fifth round pick and all that. If his performance projects that, hey, look, he needs to get paid, then damn what round you got drafted in. Um, but at the time, I completely disagree with this guy. I thought he was crazy. And I like shouts out to him to, uh, for being all over that. He he didn't completely change my mind, but it for, it forced me to really look at uh, how George Kittle played. Uh, and he continues to play. The thing about what I like about uh, Travis Kelsey's game is that what they say, the best ability is availability, and he's mm-hmm. always available. I mean, and it's yeah. like this macho brand of – I know football is macho. It's a man. It's a man's game, and all this is brutal and all that. But then on the flip side, we talk about, well, this mother sucker ain't healthy. He always yeah. And guys and are drafting funny. him in their fantasy football, Mike, first round. I knew to stay clear. I don't know. I ain't driving. No, and it, it, it was playing it, it, hopscotch. It, it, I it's funny you say that because for a while I felt like the Niners were trying to change their identity to be more like bullies. You know what I'm saying? Especially on defense, but then, you know, translating that over to offense, we're going to run at you. We're going to bully you. And George Kittle fit that, you know, he fit that kind of mantra. But then when you start looking at like, like you mentioned tight ends that are available throughout the years that had high productivity careers that were huge weapons in the passing game, similar to what Kittle can be. I think of Kelsey. I think of Antonio Gates. I think of Tony Gonzalez. All three of those are not known to be bullies, right? They can get you tough yards if they need to, but they're not necessarily known to be bullies. I would throw Rob Gronkowski in there, but he, he can be a bully when he needs to, but at the end of the day, some of the, the most of the tight ends that have long careers and produce at a high level don't play that bully ball. You know, they they get the tough yards over the middle, but they get down or they get out of bounds. Or they, they're not trying to fight for every single yard, you know, uh, and they know how to kind of preserve themselves. And it seems like Kittle, Kittle has not figured that that piece out. Yeah, I, I, I'm telling you, his next contract, if this, if his current contract doesn't have it in it already, it's like you you got to be available x amount of games. Well, I don't think he gets franchised. I don't think you have to franchise him. Yeah, yeah. I think you. I think you guys will let him see what he can get on open market. I don't think you franchise him. Or honestly, I think you'll end up trading him. I, I think. I think. I think the Niners would be wise to ultimately kind of listen to you on some of these personnel moves because. They, they seem like sometimes they're like a year too too late on some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, hey, look, I wish him the best. I hope he has a a, a, a quick, speedy recovery. We got a couple tight ends on, on our roster. I think people, you know, just don't really know about. Niner fans probably know who I'm talking about. Ross Dwelly is one of them. Ross Dwelly is uh, – he, he kind of fits um, – that that tight uh, old school tight end two of them that come to mind with the Niners of course Brent Jones Brent Jones was the Mr. Third Down 
And also to one of our former tight ends, uh, Eric Johnson, who wasn't, you know, the fastest. He was that traditional tight end, but he could catch the hell out of the ball. George Kittle, everything he does, don't get me wrong. Hands down, when he is healthy and, and on the field, George Kittle is one of the best. But the biggest component, again, is, is being available to your team. Um, yep. But we'll see, Mike. I will. We, we got the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I'm not confident in a win, but I am really happy to see uh, Trey Lance out there. I don't expect for him to look like this. Oh, this elite quarterback. I, I think there's a lot of growing pains that he's going to experience. But I do believe that he gives the Niners the best chance to open the offense. And like you know, for those who don't know really what that that what I'm saying when I say open the offense is that Trey Lance has an attribute that I don't think you can really teach. You can try to, but either you have it or you don't. Trey Lance will he gets categorized as um as a, a Kaepernick type of quarterback. But here's the thing about with Trey Lance, he keeps his eyes downfield. He's not looking to run, and if he's running. He's looking with his eyes downfield. So, you know, um, depending on the play calls, you know, the little dink and dunks, you know, the bubble screens and all that stuff, um, defenses know to how to stop that. They they expect that out of Kyle Shanahan's offense when a particular quarterback is in the game. But Trey Lance gives you that, that element where if you want to stack the box on him, it could cost you dearly. I don't think yeah. Arizona is going to necessarily do that, but I think Trey Lance, when he calms down, because I think he's going to have the bubble guts, but when he calms <laughs> down, I think that look out, he, he could exploit you. So I'm looking for yeah. what Trey Lance could be. And I I, th- I I agree. I think Trey Lance could is going to be really good in the league. I think this is the worst possible week for him to have to start, to be honest with you. Arizona is quietly playing some of the best ball in the whole NFL right now. Um, And so to throw him out there and now Arizona has at least a week of film on him to kind of try to dissect him a little bit. I actually expect Trey Lance to have a rough week this week, but in no indication is that what his career is going to be like, because I I think he's going to be a star in this league. I'm projecting 32 fantasy points. Um, still in a in a losing effort. Um, and I I also have to admit this is that yeah you know I, I think as a fan of any team, especially too like being a Niner fan, where the the expectations were high. Um, even after uh, even uh, after the Super Bowl loss that following season, like it was just like the expectation was a continuation of where we left off. And we had a crappy season, which ultimately is the reason why we end up drafting um, Trey Lance anyway. Um, And I I think the expectation is that we, you know, I know it's only week five now. I I, I don't see a playoff team. Um, And, you know, people can say, well, that's because of injury. Well, injuries happen for everything. Um, So let's not use that as an excuse. I really believe that we have some we have some work to do. And, you know, and I think it starts at the top. Mm. Shots fired. Bow, bow. Well, Mike, anything else? Is that is, is think, that it for us? I think that's it. That's that's what we got this week. Yes, sir. So, sports family, you know, just to recap real quick, though, um, I I, I don't want to leave this out because I'm a humble 
man, okay, I lost our week two bet, okay? Our week two bet was that, you know, Mike was, he came out swinging, man. And I, I, I went on a limb and said, you know what, Mike, put your money where your mouth is. Let's put a wager out there that I would win my week two matchup in fantasy football, which uh, needless to say, I didn't win. So the bet was that I have to wear a Tampa Bay uh, paraphernalia and I chose a, a shirt. So I'm going to post there. I'm actually going to design the shirt myself. I didn't want to, it just, it was like kryptonite going out there to try and buy a Tampa Bay shirt. So I'm going to customize this Tampa Bay shirt and I'm going to make it real good. And it's going to say something to the extent of, I love my Tampa Bay bucks and I'm going to burn that shit immediately. Um, <laughs> actually I'll send it to Mike. I'll send it to Mike. So he can rock that, ugh, that cream sickle shit. Right. <laughs> we we the, the, the the sports family been waiting to see you rock the Tampa Bay Bucks gear because they everybody knows you lost that bet. Yeah, I did, I did, but I'm making no more bets this week. <laughs> but if I pull out a, a win this week because my projections uh, show that I'm going to lose, if I pull it out, man, I'm talking cash money shit. And I'm going to post the record and post the score out there. So stay tuned, (laughs) sports family. Hey, y'all have a blessed weekend. Stay safe. Hug your loved ones. And make sure that you stay tuned because Mike and I got some more shit to talk. For sure. Peace. Peace.